Um, let's talk about hydroxychloroquine because Trump, of course, just had that infamous moment where he was just like, yeah, I'm taking it. I'm literally taking it. And I have been for weeks. Well, so the, this is one of the weirdest things ever. So I've even noticed smart people getting sucked into this rabbit hole of believing that there is a conspiracy to stifle the idea that hydroxychloroquine is a cure or really effective against coronavirus, COVID-19. Now, I find that strange because, yes, there is a tendency by the mainstream media to just attack and bash anything Trump says or does. So I could understand why some people would be seeing the media's reaction to the hydroxychloroquine thing as like they would maybe even perceive it as a conspiracy. However, that doesn't mean that hydroxychloroquine is some kind of miracle cure. And the data suggests that it's marginally effective in helping some people with COVID-19, like marginally. And it does have severe side effects for certain other people too. So that's the real data. If you collect it all together, it's not, nothing is saying that it's 30% effective, it's 20% effective. In fact, the data shows it something between like 2 to 5% um, of like mitigating the effects of COVID-19. Now, you know, certain doctors around the world have, have decided that it is worth the risk of the side effects to administer this to some patients. And there is some data to suggest certain doctors and hospitals globally are doing this with certain patients. But the idea that this is something that people should be doing in general or taking as a prophylactic measure is absolutely absurd. I mean, you really should only do that if you're like a doctor exposed to COVID-19 patients. Um, so it is very odd that Trump would do a press conference and act like he's taking it, which first of all, I don't even believe he is. I think no. he's just doing it to make it seem like his off-the-cuff ramblings are more valid. Mm -hmm. and, and even Joe Rogan was like, well, there is like a UV light thing that some scientists did invent where you could like UV, insert UV light in the body, and then there's this like bleach thing. And David Packman was just like, well, that's basically you trying to rationalize Trump winging it. The, the most honest thing you could say about that is, yeah, Trump was winging it. He was just like rambling. He, he didn't, wasn't really making sense. Instead, all these like intellectual, quasi-intellectual Trump supporters, they'll go back and find like scientific papers about like a UV light therapy and be like, this is what Trump was talking about. You're an idiot for not realizing that. And it's like, no, he obviously like, you're in a cult, dude. Like, why can't you just admit that Trump rambles and, and he wings it and he just says random shit all the time? A lot of it doesn't make sense. Like, how? So it's just, to me, it's unbelievable that the cult is that strong. No matter right. what I've the mainstream media mm -hmm. attacks him for, goes after him for, even if it's correct, it's never correct to them because it's always some kind of plot to make him look bad. It's super interesting. I've never seen anything like it. Whenever Trump rambles something completely nonsensical, like injecting bleach, I've seen several people, um, everyone from who I went to high school with on Facebook to just random people on Twitter that are like bigger personalities, like Scott Adams, for example, like really over-rationalizing, over-explaining Trump's rhetoric. 
Yeah. To the point where they're just like, oh, you fucking dumbasses got triggered at this. It's like, oh, well, clearly you didn't know he was talking about this, this and this. And like citing like far reaching scientific explanations about something that could be like very grasping at straws interpretation yeah. of what Trump said. And it's like, wait, what? This is clearly not what Trump was saying. If it was, he would just say this. It's like he so can't explain this. You have to explain it for him. <laughs> It's absolutely absolute, bizarre. Yeah, it is bizarre. And things get even more sycophantic. I mean, you see his new press secretary seems like she is an OAN reporter. I don't know if you've seen her yet. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. like the worst one yet. It's absolutely shocking. And just one, really quickly, I want to throw this out there. You know, yeah, it's hilarious. And I even think it's hella entertaining to watch Trump constantly talking about Scarborough's <laughs> intern being killed right now or like p- potentially mm-hmm. killed. It's hilarious. It's weird. It actually doesn't even make sense. Like, why is he even this mad at Scarborough? Like, you would have to be, like, really watching all these shows to even understand. Like, why would, did he get so upset at Scarborough? Is it just because Scarborough's not a fan of his anymore? I don't even understand it. But it's still funny. And But all at the same time, it's like, you know damn well that if if Trump was on Twitter like he is now during the Scarborough thing, he would have totally not talked about it. And he would have defended Scarborough. And I brought this up, and I don't even think people remember this, is that there was a Democratic, I think he was a state senator named Gary Condit, whose intern mysteriously disappeared. And I think she was found dead, like many months later, and he did have an affair with her. It became like the number one story in right-wing media for months, and deservedly so, was a suspicious story. But it happened almost at the exact same time the Scarborough thing happened. And the Republican media had figured out a way to completely erase the Scarborough story and pour all this focus onto this story about a Democratic senator. It's only the Democrats who have affairs with their interns and possibly murder them, not the Republicans, because they totally erased it. And it's honestly genius. Like, if you look back to see how much coverage that Scarborough story got, it's almost zero. They mm-hmm. Somebody fixed that shit hardcore. So... You know damn well that if this happened now, Trump would be talking all about Gary Condit. He would be just the same as all the other Republican generic like spinsters and talking about that and not talking about Scarborough. So I just wanted to make well, just that like point. It's, it's only Democrats who are sacrificing and eating babies, Robbie. Same thing, yeah. Same thing. I mean, come on. Yeah. Before we get into the QAnon, Falun Gong, Epic Time stuff... Let's stay on Corona, and I know it's all related, but I wanted to stay on this CDC update and see what you think about this. Uh, CDC just updated its COVID facts saying that coronavirus does not spread easily by touching surfaces. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said, yeah, it may be possible to become infected with coronavirus by touching contaminated surfaces or objects, but but it's not likely um, nor by animal to human contact or vice versa and kind of breaking down how really it's just the human to human transmission and it's not, you know, cardboard and food and even metal surfaces and stuff like that. So I just thought that was interesting going back to what we were saying in the last podcast about just the science constantly shifting and changing and things getting updated day to day. Um, and I thought that was an important finding because people are really freaked out about, you know, sanitizing everything. Not that you shouldn't be doing that just for safety measures, but like it's not spread primarily that way at all. It's mostly being spread in public trans- transportation, inside subway cars, inside buses, mm-hmm. inside any small enclosed space. Doctor's offices are also a vector point, grocery stores. I think that those enclosed spaces 
where there are a lot of people traveling them, by far the biggest way to get infected. It's also, I think it also has something to do with, we just don't have like a ventilation sort of system in place in the United States. I think, like, you remember when we went to Japan, how there was smoking indoors in all these places and Mm -hmm. it didn't really smell very smoky. If everybody smoked in restaurants and businesses here, it would smell terrible everywhere. But it's like, I think Japan and I don't, and it's not because of viruses. It's just because they want to get rid of smoke smell. They have like great ventilation in all their indoor spaces. But we don't have anything like that here. We don't have mm-hmm. massive fans trying to push the airflow out of buildings. I went to the doctor like two weeks ago and they had to like open up the doors and windows on either side of their office to create ventilation. And I think that that's one of the only preventative measures you can take really is to like, if you're going to have to have people traveling, you have to create some kind of wind tunnel effect to get the fucking air. So it's not stagnant and to get it out of the room somehow. But I, I mean, I think you're, you're the, the surface thing is probably, if it is infecting anybody, it's probably very, very low. Right. Another article that's been shared by people that I admire a lot from global research titled global capitalism, world government and the Corona crisis. And there's a lot of great points coming out of this article that I agree with, but I guess the underlying premise is that it is being used as an imperial plot and actually insinuating that it's manufactured as an imperial plot to further consolidate the economy and put it in the hands of these kind of transnational elites and philanthropists who do the bidding, I mean, who politicians do the bidding of. It starts off in agreement with what we say, which is that, you know, it's being exploited and used for nefarious purposes. Stage one, the trade war against China. Absolutely. Stage two, the financial crash spearheaded by fear and stock market manipulation. Absolutely. Basically saying, you know, this collapse was manipulated. Um, Insider trading and foreknowledge and the fear campaign played a key role in the implementation of the stock market crash where $6 trillion was wiped off the markets worldwide. Um, Massive losses of personal savings of average Americans, not to mention kind of the small business um, collapse and bankruptcies, which was a bonanza for institutional speculators, including corporate hedge funds. Stage three, it talks about the lockdown, confinement, closing down of the global economy. You know, the lockdown and confinement is basically an instrument in restructuring the global economy, activities resulting in global poverty, mass unemployment, all things that are obvious, right? And then it goes on to say, like, this is a carefully planned operation. There's nothing spontaneous or accidental about it. This is being engineered at national and global levels, and it's also integrated into U.S., NATO, military, and intelligence planning. So... The article talks about how this is meant to destabilize China, Russia, Iran, Venezuela, without explaining how those countries are also taking it seriously, acting on their own accord mm-hmm. and authority to do their own lockdowns and interpret it in their own fashion where, you know, you have countries like Venezuela really taking a pro-working class approach. And I don't disagree with the fact that this is a sophisticated imperial project that's exploiting the coronavirus to implement things for nefarious purposes like financial crimes and war crimes to consolidate power into the handful of multi-billion dollar conglomerates. But it still begs the question whether or not they're saying that this is actually completely invented. So I guess I'm confused about where this is going um, and what you think about the article, because it seems like a lot of people who are highly intelligent and also on the left side of the spectrum who are anti-capitalist are agreeing with this, but I'm still not getting clear answers about 
you know, what groups or institutions have invented this, perpetrated it, and why it's somehow being accepted globally, you know, and being compared to something like 9-11 or the anthrax attacks, it's like there were plenty of countries that were official U.S. enemies that didn't go along with these narratives. But it seems like all of the countries in the world, for the most part, are taking this seriously. You would have to see this as some kind of globally orchestrated conspiracy. So the question definitely makes one go, well, who is it? You know, mm-hmm. Bill Gates can't possibly be the end all be all of this. The WHO can't either. They don't have the authority. In fact, the WHO, from what I saw, they didn't declare it a global pandemic until like, uh, like way after they probably could have. So, you know, I think that the issue I take with this Michael Chufadovsky article on global research is that there are easy answers in it to things that are not easy to answer. And they're vague, you know, like the AWHO, like how much are they responsible for the global response on this? I would argue they're not, they're not necessarily the driving force in this. A lot of the countries acted, started acting before they were given any sort of, you know, recommendations by the WHO. So I take issue with that a little bit. The idea that, you know, that this was sort of coordinated, the lockdowns. My, I mean, my perception is that a lot of these countries already had, you know, things on the books that were very similar to each other about like how to respond to a pandemic. Who, who is the one who instructed them to put those laws in the books or those protocols in place? I don't know, but I'm, you know, I'm assuming it would probably be their own versions of the CDC or whoever. It's not the WHO that is telling these countries how to impose any kind of lockdown. That's, that's how I perceive it. But at the same time, like this clearly is going to be a huge boon for vulture, vulture capitalists, for any government that wants to become more tyrannical, to eliminate more poor people. There's a lot of people who will benefit from this. But the question is, who is coordinating it? Is this article, this article isn't even clear about if, they, if the author believes that it's staged or not, like if, if COVID-19 is staged or not. I'm assuming from the article itself, it does seem to think that it's the death counts are highly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another argument that I think is, you know, gets really weird where people grasp onto the, the lowest numbers, the lowest rates, and this idea that people who have COVID, who die of other things, get diagnosed as a COVID death. They latch onto that and say, well, that this must mean that the death, all the deaths we're seeing, these 100,000 deaths, it can't be trusted at all, like in the United mm-hmm. States. That's how they're interpreting it. I'm interpreting it differently in the sense that there probably are some overreporting of COVID deaths, and there's probably some underreporting of COVID deaths. So in the end, it's probably almost like a wash. I mean, the 100,000 death count, I guess from in my mind, is probably actually a lower estimate. It's, it's at least at a delay. We know that. You know, they don't get the numbers until like days afterwards, so... I just don't understand where that's coming from. And I don't know if you want to, do you want to talk about this, this idea that it's actually just as deadly as the flu and everybody was wrong? And Yeah, no, this is a perfect segue on this other article that I just found on Scientific yeah. American about we hear constantly Trump and all of these other people kind of bemoaning that COVID is completely exaggerated, overhyped, and that in reality, it's just as deadly as the flu. 
Trump recently said, I want you to understand something that shocked me when I saw it. The flu in our country kills from 25,000 people to 69,000 people a year. That was shocking to me. I always took these numbers at face value and I was just like, oh my God, like that is crazy. That many people die from the flu. I assumed that it was correct. That's why it's so surprising to learn that that could be the inflated statistical estimates. That could actually be that the flu is being... Um, misinterpreted. Flu deaths are being misinterpreted in this country by the CDC itself. Um, It's not to say that COVID numbers are not being hyped up as well, but what if the flu statistics we keep hearing repeated to downplay COVID is the inflated data? And that concludes the public edition of Media Roots Radio. If you want to listen to the full conversation, please consider becoming a monthly donor at patreon.com slash mediarootsradio. For $5 or more a month, you can have exclusive access to bonus episodes. And if you sign up for other tiers, you can get exclusive artwork and sticker sets shipped by me. So check it out. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you for listening to Media Roots Radio.